Good morning. It is uh, great to see you as we gather for worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, we especially want to welcome those of you who may be guests with us today and uh, pray that for all of us this will be a, a time of uh, encountering our God and uh, connecting with one another. If you do have a little bit of room in your row and you can scoot to the middle, that would be helpful for folks who are still coming in. They could more easily find a seat on the uh, edges of the rows. Please stand with me for the call to worship. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Therefore, we join with all creation in singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Alleluia.
Father, we thank you, we praise you for who you are. And we've come to worship you today. Be glorified in our worship. Help us to sense your presence here with us. Give us grace to go forth from this place changed because we have encountered you. Thank you for the privilege of being here today. We offer our praise and worship to you through Christ Jesus. Amen. Before you're seated, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship this morning. So it's great to see you as uh, we've gathered for worship here today, and I uh, just want to make mention, if you looked in the bulletin, you see that uh, our guest speaker this morning is uh, uh, Reverend Joey Jennings, and uh, Joey is our district superintendent. He oversees the 35 Wesleyan churches in western New York, and uh, we are privileged to have him as our leader. He's just been re-elected for another four-year term of service, and uh, we're excited about that, and we're excited to have him here with us this morning. And so I know that uh, God will speak uh, to us through him as he shares a little bit later. One of the uh, great joys that we have as a church is uh, to celebrate our children. And this morning we have the privilege of dedicating another of our children to God. So I'm going to ask the family to come up and to join me. Brother here. Bali and Elizabeth, you have, uh, God has blessed you with this little one, and today you come to dedicate God's gift back to him. You're here today because of your own faith in Jesus Christ, and in this public act of dedication, you are declaring that your child will be raised in the love and grace of God within the nurturing spirit of the church. In this act, you're welcoming the prayers and the support of the church, and declaring your desire that she would learn early the things of God and that her life would be defined by a lifelong commitment to God. But in order that this may be accomplished, it will be your duty as parents to teach your child early the fear of the Lord, to watch over her education that she may not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines, to direct her mind to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and authority of God for all humanity, and to direct her feet to the sanctuary, to restrain her from evil associates and habits, and as much as possible, to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do so by the help of the Lord? In the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel, we read these words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. I always tell parents, whatever the children do is okay. That's what kids do what kids do, right? 
Come here, sweetheart. Yeah, there you go. What name have you given your child? Zoe Faith. Zoe Faith, on behalf of your parents, your family, and this congregation, I dedicate you to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As I always mention, when we dedicate our children to God, this is a, and bringing together a, a threefold uh, commitment and covenant that uh, we enter into. I see it sort of as a triangle, and God is the base of that triangle surrounding her, in which everything about her life is, is based. And God is faithful, and we know that. He's promised. He's already at work in her life and will always be at work in her life. And uh, Bali and Elizabeth have made their commitment as parents to one side of the triangle to do everything in their power through the grace of God to nurture and raise their daughter in the faith and to help her to, to nur- bring a, nurture a spirit, an atmosphere, so that the most natural thing in the world for her is to follow Christ. Yeah, you're okay. We're okay. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. And we as the church fill in the other side of the triangle. And we have a responsibility as well because so often uh, our image of God is shaped by our thoughts of the church. And so we have a responsibility as the church to nurture her in the faith as well. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and to affirm your commitment to her. As the church of Jesus Christ, will you, with the help of God, do everything possible to help Zoe grow in the nurture and grace of Jesus Christ? Will you love her, be a godly witness to her, and help her to know and accept the grace of God in her life? If so, answer, we will. Heavenly Father, we come again today and give you thanks for the gift of children. And specifically today, for the gift of Zoe. We thank you for blessing her family and for blessing us with her presence. We've dedicated her to you today, Lord. We want nothing more for her than to know you and to know your grace and love in her life and to follow you because we know it is the path of joy and peace and everything that we desire you've created us to experience and to be. So we pray for your grace upon her, your protection, your mercy. We pray that as she grows, the most natural thing in the world for her will be to follow you. We pray for Vali and Elizabeth's parents, that you would give them all the grace that they need to nurture her in the faith. Help create an atmosphere in their home where following you would be so natural. We pray you give them all the grace that they need as parents to be and to do what you called them to in this great privilege and responsibility of being a parent. We pray for Anna as an older sister and ask that you would bless her As you watch over her life and draw her to yourself, maybe she be a godly example to her little sister and that together they would uh, have a desire to know you. And Father, help us as a church to be the kind of people who who model faith and to live lives before Zoe that would cause her to see you as you are and to want to follow you. We dedicate her to you today, Lord, and we do so with joy and thanksgiving because of who you are. And we pray this through Christ. Amen.
please remain standing as we sing our praises to God together.
may be seated. Good morning. Scripture today is taken from 1 Corinthians 13. Hear the word of the Lord. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. As our ushers come forward to receive our offerings, please stand and join me in singing the doxology. Praise God, There's a song that's inside of my soul It's the one that I've tried to write over and over again I'm awake in the infinite cold But you sing to me, oh So I lay my 
Think about joining together in time of prayer. It is so important for us to remember that God is our hope. We live in a world of a lot of pain and heartache. This week there have been uh, more uh, terrorist attacks. I just saw that uh, bombings in Baghdad this morning and some shopping areas. I think more than 125 people have been killed. numerous children Um, but the pain isn't just out there as well we all deal with it and experience it too this morning we want to pray for uh, the Woolsey family Dan and Kathy's youngest child died earlier this week and there are there's just a lot of pain and heartache and struggle 
and uh, our hope is, is Christ. And so we could join our hearts and our minds together in this time of prayer. As has been our practice for a while, open the altar rail. This morning, perhaps you just feel like um, you can best express your prayers kneeling here at the altar rail. If that's the case, then please come and join me now as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we come today declaring that you are our only hope. In the midst of the pain and the heartache and the struggle of life, we look for hope. And often we look for hope in a variety of places. This morning we affirm that you are our only hope, that you are good and merciful and powerful that you hear our prayers and that you are at work in this world Father this morning we come with acknowledging the pain that we experience those around us in the whole world so this morning we pray for especially all who are grieving today. We think of Dan and Kathy and their whole family and pray for your grace upon them, for your comforting presence in the midst of such deep pain. Father, we pray for all who are grieving these, the deaths of these terrorist attacks or it just seems like it is continually happening, almost daily. We are so protected here. So many in the world are not. And they face the reality of, of these attacks every single day. We pray, Father, that you will bring an end to this violence. That you will defeat the evil one and his desires to destroy people that you will bring peace in the midst of chaos and violence and conflict. We pray that you will raise up your people to be a presence of peace and hope in the midst of all of the pain and heartache. We pray, Father, for all among us and around us who are struggling with health issues and the pain that that brings. We pray for your healing upon Tammy Dunmire and Blanche Weaver, on Luke Heisinger, Wade Marsh, Sheldon Emerson, Barb Rangel, Bob Jobert, Laurel Buker, for Bill Getty and Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muker, for Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, for Bruce Brenneman, Bev Retz, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, for Dick Gould and Emily Crickler, and for others who are on our minds and our hearts today. 
Father, we thank you for the ministries of this church that, that help us know you more and, and grow in our faith in you. And we pray especially today for Jeannie Little and her ministry of spiritual direction. We pray that you would give her all the grace that she needs to, in this ministry to help us know you more and to draw closer to you. We pray for the ministries of churches around us. And today we pray for the Birdsall Community Church and Pastor Paul Sherman. Pour out your grace upon them. Bind them together in your spirit that they will be a loving witness to the world around them. And Father, we think of the greater needs. We think of this world, so many struggles and burdens. And we thank you for the people who are at work in the world, people who've heard your call and and have gone out to various places. And this morning we thank you for, for Ambassadors Football, who are combining the soccer and Christian witness. Pray for John Ortlip as he directs this ministry and as they work in camps here in the States, in Ireland, the Czech Republic, England, Holland, other places. We pray that they will be able to use this, this sport that is so popular to be a vehicle for sharing the gospel. And may people respond in the sense your love for them. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters who face great persecution and opposition and difficulties because of their faith. And during this holy month of Ramadan for Muslims, we pray that many will meet Jesus as in this time they are thinking more about drawing near to God. We pray for believers who come under heavier scrutiny and persecution and ask that you would give them protection and grace. And we pray for those who are persecuting believers, that they would see you in the attitude and the eyes and the heart and the mind of those they're persecuting, and that it might change them and open their hearts to you and that they would experience the joy and the grace and the love of Christ. Father, on this weekend when we celebrate our nation's independence, we want to give you thanks for all the privileges that we have. We do not want to take them for granted. Thank you for the freedom to come and worship today. Thank you for being able to express our faith with very few restrictions. Today we pray for the leaders of our nation, for President Obama and Vice President Biden, for the members of Congress, the jurists who sit in the Supreme Court and other courts, for our governor and our state legislature, and for all of our local government leaders. We pray that you will bless each of them with your grace. Open their minds to the prompting of your Holy Spirit. Help each one to make decisions that are sensitive to the most vulnerable and needy among us. And we pray that you'd bring a new spirit of cooperation to every level of government so that pride and arrogance disappear and that truth and justice, mercy and compassion are what drives what they do. Father, thank you for hearing us. Give us courage to trust you for every answer in your way, in your time. We pray this through the wonderful, glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand as we sing together. And right now, children may be dismissed for Children's Church. This song that we are going to sing is a new song that we introduced two weeks ago. And so I invite you to sing with us right from the beginning or to listen for a while and join us in singing as soon as you feel ready.
Good morning. What a joy it is always for me to come back to the Houghton Church. Uh, it's just a delight to be here and to see old friends and family and just loved ones that uh, just mean so much to me. It's always a joy to be here with Pastor Wes and, and the staff here. Wonderful work that you are doing. We've had a busy month, and uh, actually it's July now. June, June was a busy month as we had our general conference in Buffalo. Uh, many of you were able to be a part of that or see some of it on, online. All of the conferences available um, to watch on video. Uh, some of the highlights, we did elect a new general superintendent, the, the spiritual leader of our denomination, uh, Dr. Wayne Schmidt, uh, who had previously, ser- previously served as the president of Wesley Seminary. Before that, the sen- senior pastor at Kentwood Community Church uh, is replacing, uh, following after at least, uh, Dr. Joanne Lyon. And Dr. Lyon will be serving in several positions as ambassador for the church, interim leader of Wesley Seminary, and also, uh, I think, working for World Hope some. She, she's not going to slow down too much, but she is uh, continuing to, to be a part of the, the ministry of the church. Dr. Schmidt has called on the church, really, to be in prayer as he's starting this ministry. Really, from the, the time the general conference ended, he started, the, like, two days later with district conferences and speaking at a district conference at least two a week uh, throughout this, at least uh, June and July. And uh, so keep him in your prayers. At our district conference, he handed out uh, prayer cards, just asking for 50 days of prayer. And he says, if we do this over the first 50 days, then the, the districts will have their conference later in the summer. We'll continue that. And for at least 100 days, there'll be people praying for him. So let me just follow up on that and ask you to continue praying for our denomination and particularly for Dr. Schmidt as he leads us. At district conference, we had uh, the Western New York district had its conference a week ago Saturday. And just a, a wonderful spirit in our conference. And one of the, the things that we do is celebrate what God is doing in our different churches. And uh, we, we do it based on three categories. One is the new life or the impact that we're making to bring people to Christ. And we're doing that. The, the metric we use is baptisms. How many baptisms had we had? 229 baptisms as a district. Uh, the second is generosity. We wanted to keep that as a value before our churches. And we recognize those churches that gave at least 10% of their income and offerings outside of their local ministry. So it to, goes to missions, goes to support other works beyond their local church. And the third is growth, the impact that we have through the growth and worship attendance. 
And so we had churches that, in each of those, but we only had three churches that I, I call Church of Excellence that, that were meeting that criterion of, of at least a 5% growth, 10% giving to, to missions, and, uh, and celebrating with baptism, uh, at least one every 50 members. And Houghton Wesleyan Church received um, a Church of Excellence. We presented that to the staff at, that, at the conference, but I wanted just to come and present that to the congregation. Uh, you had nine baptisms um, this past year, and it starts June of 2015, going through the end of May 2016. You gave 20% of your offerings to missions, so just over 20%, which is the second highest percentage in our district. And just want to congratulate you on that. You are setting the pace for other churches to follow and just your generosity to many works overseas, uh, district church works, and uh, starting new churches and working in the city of Buffalo. So thank you for that. And also you had a growth of 43 in your average worship attendance this year, which was uh, highest, actually second only to Anchor Church, which was a brand new church. So they went from zero to about 60 this year. <laughs> and so they got the percentage growth and everything. But, um, but you, 43, a 7% growth in your average attendance is um, outstanding. And so thank you for your impact. And, and as I was thinking about that and just how you're praying for other churches in the area, to see God is blessing in other churches, the Fillmore Church, the Higgins Church. God is continuing to bless, and, and we are in this together. It's not a competition to try to see who can, can just get big. It's who can bring people into the kingdom, who can lead people to Jesus Christ, and then incorporate them as disciples into the church family. So thank you for how you are doing this. And I just celebrate what God is doing here and your excellent leadership under Pastor Wes and the, the great staff. One of the, the challenges I gave to the district as well, before I get into the sermon in 1 Corinthians, is just to partner. It's in our mission statement as a district to foster partnerships as part of fulfilling the Great Commission. And I think part of that is churches realizing that it's not just about their church doing an, an isolated ministry, but how we are working together, not just with Wesleyans, but working with all who are following Jesus Christ to say, our passion, our mission is to build up the kingdom. And we have, we have needs in the district. That's one of the things I, I highlighted is just some of the needs we have to, to reach some of the different ethnic groups in the city of Buffalo. But there are needs in Allegheny County. There are needs in Jamestown. There are needs on the Indian reservations. There are, there are needs throughout our district that we would just have our churches to say, it's not not just about building up our individual congregation, but it is to try to partner to build the kingdom, to try to, to give beyond our local ministry to see revival come in western New York. And so join me in prayer for that. And, and as your church works with other churches, I, I see what you are doing to even support Steve and Ruth Strand and the urban advocacy there. They're doing wonderful ministry in the city of Buffalo, both at Jericho Road, doing leading, leading the spiritual care ministry at that medical practice, but also helping to start a, a Congolese church that meets on Sunday afternoon, helping to, to partner other churches together. And so that kind of partnership is, is making a difference. It's making an impact. You may never see uh, the fruit of it directly, but I am seeing God work, and thank you for your support for that. The message I have is from the book of 1 Corinthians. It's from chapter 13. And I, I love that this was read in the service. It reminds me, our, uh, 30 years ago this summer, uh, Mary Beth and I were married here, right here on this platform. And our wedding party, I can remember, 
I guess there's guys and girls. No, guys here, girls over there. Uh, got to, had to remember back. Is the picture. Uh, read that to us, the, the entire chapter, the love chapter. And it, it certainly applies in, in a marriage of husband and wife loving each other with that deep, with that pure love. We apply that within the church, that we, we are to have that kind of love for one another. And in a sense, the, the family is that laboratory within which you can, can grow in love, but it is to be expressed within the church family as well. And even as I bring this message, I believe it's going to apply for this church to have a love for those beyond these walls. Beyond this congregation, that our love would grow deep to those that do not know Jesus. That our love would grow deep for those that are hurting around us. That we would be sacrificial in our love for the world as God has been. So this passage calls the believer to that pure love, a deeper kind of love. Increasing the ability and the purity of our love. Becoming holy. That's the the process of sanctification. And increasing our love as a congregation. I want to focus particularly on verse 13 of this. And the entire chapter is read, so I won't reread it at this point. But look to verse 13. After describing this beautiful treatise on love, Paul says, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I think that in many ways the entire chapter is leading up to that last statement. The greatest of these is love. You looked at the end of chapter 12. He's sort of highlighting that we are to be seeking those gifts that are more outward focused. Those gifts that are more uh, building other people up, not building ourselves up. And if you go into the first part of chapter 14, it's talking about even those gifts that are prophecy, those gifts that are encouraging to others as opposed to those gifts that are looking to us. So this, this chapter sits between 12 and 14, that controversies regarding gifts and even selfishness within the church and saying love is what it's all about. But what does he mean by these three abide or these three remain? The greatest is love. Now the word great is fairly broad in its meaning in the English language. Certainly if you go to the, or I believe if you go to the, the Greek, it's all, all similarly as broad. It's used to, to mean anything from older to wider to deeper to, it's just more. It's a comparative more. Love is more. Love is going to be greater than others. It's going to be more lasting. And so we looked at the context and we see that it is the more desirable gift, that love is, is that which you are to seek after more. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire those gifts that are building up the body. It is certainly a critical aspect of the Christian faith. If you were to take love away from our understanding of Christianity, it would have a, an empty shell. It would have something that is unrec- unrecognizable. If you look at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, it, it's saying that if you're doing everything else well, if, you're, if you have this Christian religion down pat, but you don't have love, then you're nothing. You, you're, 
you're irritating to the people around you. That clanging cymbal, sort of the, the fingernail on the chalkboard, it's just, it's just irritating to those around you because you have this form of religion, but you, you're not engaged in love. You're, you're impressing no one. You're, you're, you are nothing, he says. You gain nothing. There's no reward for living a good religion that's loveless. And so he's saying, this is the heart of our faith. And then in verses uh, 4 through 8, he, he goes beyond just saying how important it is. It, he, he describes it, and it's one of those things that just he, he has to give the list. Fifteen different characteristics. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is love. This is what remains. This is what abides. Love must be at the very core of our lives if you are a follower of Jesus. And and as we look at these descriptions, it comes down to that sacrifice of self for others. God is love, and, and as, he, as he worked with us, it was all about him giving. Him offering his son as a sacrifice, him giving of himself for us. Love is, is surrendering. It is offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. It is giving to others. You know, with an emphasis clearly on love, why, did, why does Paul bring up even the subjects of faith and hope? Are these simply runner-ups and, and the, the compa- competition for what is the greatest? Or, or is he saying more about love? Because if the church does not have this love, it's failed. Faith, hope, and love. Let me suggest that faith and hope build our love. That if you have the faith, and it is where God wants us to have our faith, if we are putting our faith solidly on the rock of Jesus Christ, and not on anything else, not on anything false, not on uh, some, some misperception of who God is, but on the true God revealed in Scripture, if that is where our faith is, then we can have true hope. And if we have that genuine hope, if we understand what hope is, and if the church lives that hope, absorbs that to the very core of who they are, if we have that certain hope, then we'll be free to love. And so love not only is the greatest of them, but it is, it is that which is brought about by true faith and great hope. And as I travel the church and as I look at the church in our day, I believe we have a faith. I mean, there are, there are some, some Christians, some churches even, that, that are somewhat getting away from their, their understanding of who God is and, and maybe slipping. But I believe the church, the Wesleyan church, the churches I visit have a genuine faith. They understand who God is. They, they believe that God is the God of the creeds, the God of the Trinity, the God of revealed, who reveals himself in Scripture. 
But I believe we're lacking that hope. I believe we haven't taken that, that certainty of who God is to the next level of saying, well, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for how I face today? What does it mean for my future? And if that hope is, is somehow not certain, if we're in, insecure about our hope, if we're insecure about where God is taking us tomorrow, if we're fearful about, about what's going to come next as a church, it's going to be a struggle to love. Because that love is, it requires that giving of ourself. It requires that sacrificing. It, revive, it revives that, it's, it requires that, that radical surrender. And if you don't have the hope that God is in control, if you don't have the hope that God is taking care of you, then, then we're going to hold back a little bit on that love. And I see this in churches. They're afraid. I see this in our culture. I think even just looking at the news, certainly there are many things that can cause us to be afraid. I mean, the, the bombing in Baghdad. Two weeks ago, I was in a church and it was the morning when the shooting in Orlando was happening. Was it two or three, two or three weeks ago? But I remember Sunday morning we were hearing about that. And it's like all these things are happening. And, and, and as a culture... We are, are wanting to pull back and just say, well, let's, let's find out how we can defend ourselves. Let's, let's find out how we can cope with, with all this insecurity, all this fear. And, and the temptation is to re- withdraw. But God is saying, I want you to have this hope. And it starts with faith. Faith in Jesus Christ is the foundation to our relationship with God. It is not just that intellectual belief. It's not, it's not just the, the knowing the creeds. It is believing them. It is trusting in God. It is believing that Jesus Christ is God's son who died for us. Not just thinking it's true, but living a life based on that. Living a life based on, on the fact that he loves us enough that he would do anything for us. And he is able to do everything. We need. This is the trust we speak of. This is faith. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, there is that confidence that comes. Moving from faith to hope. Hope is the confidence that God has a better future in store for us. That despite the difficulties, despite the news, despite all the struggles that we're facing, and and even if you look at your own life, despite the struggles that you are going through, that, that God is, is moving in a direction and we are a part of that plan that is, that is going to culminate in, in his victory. And he is working in the church. He is working in our society. He is working in the world in such a way to draw us to that end when, when he will reign supremely. He is... He is letting things happen now, but it is all part of his plan to bring us to the point where he pulls all things together. Hope is that confidence that comes from knowing that God is in control, that he loves us as children and has done everything we need so that we can can have that relationship, so that relationship would be restored and we can live with him forever. And genuine faith is the only source of this hope. 
If Jesus is the Christ, God's only son who died for us and came back to life, and if he gives us the same hope that we, that even if we die, we will have eternal life with him in heaven, then, then there is nothing to fear. The fear of death has been removed. The, most, the more secure our, fo- our faith, the stronger our hope. I've seen this in a pastor in our district. The, the pastor of our Western church in Olean has been going through quite a, a strain. His wife has had an undiagnosed illness for the last uh, three or four years. And, and each month is as if she gets a little worse, a little, a little weaker. Uh, she's at this point at a place she can't leave her house because she's allergic to almost everything. And so the pastor, when he comes in the door, he takes a shower, he scrubs with a special soap, he puts on specially clean clothes, and then goes in another door and is able to spend some time with her. But she is, she is closed in. I love going to the church, and one aspect about it is they have a little computer or iPad on, on the front row, and she is there electronically. And so not only can she see the church, but the church sees her, and during the greeting time, they all come out and welcome her. And, and it, they're making the best of a bad situation, a difficult situation. But I've been talking to them, and their heart's desire is for God to bring about a spiritual renewal in Olean in that area to touch lives somehow through their weakness, through her weakness. And several months ago, she told me about a time when there was, there was a guy that had a man in the church. He had attended the church some, but hasn't, wasn't a member, wasn't a regular attender, but they knew him. And he was in the hospital, and he sort of was putting the pastor off and just sort of holding him at arm's length. And the pastor would go and try, but there was other people, a doctor in the room, or never had a deep conversation. And Billy Joe, one evening, just felt called, uh, led to call him. And she just talked on the phone. The only thing she could do for him, she could pray for him, and she'd call on the phone. And she was just bold and saying, I'm in the same place. I don't know if I'm going to die this summer or not. And this guy's sick. It was very critical. And she challenged him on, on these spiritual issues and asked him questions that most people might be too afraid to ask. But on the phone, she prayed with him to accept Christ. And they both came to talk to me and, and shared how maybe God is using this sickness and God is using this, I mean, all the things that God is taking away from them, he's, they're saying, but it, our hope in Christ is not, has not diminished at all. It is only increasing as, as these other things, health, finances, you know, freedom, other, other things are taken away. We realize, where is our hope? Our hope is really that God would use us to build his kingdom. And so how can, can the church get to that point of, of saying it's not about me building myself up. It's not about me becoming happier, me becoming healthier and wealthier or anything that would be self-centered in that regard, but it's about me pouring my life out so that God could use me, so that God could build me up. Without hope, it's difficult to face even the smallest of problems. But with that certain hope, We can face any problem that comes. We serve a Savior who died on the cross. We serve a Savior who 
who was buried for three days and yet rose from the dead and is today in heaven with the Father. God can do anything. We see that faith builds hope. Hope enables us or frees us up to love. God is wanting each of you to love with that sacrificial love that's not self-seeking, that's not rude, that's not easily angered, that rejoices in the truth and not with evil. All that that said, that is what God is calling you to do. How, How can we do that? We must be secure that God is in control, that God is going to take care of us, that there's nothing that can happen to us that God cannot use for his good and if we have that confidence if that if that hope is truly there then then we can go and do whatever god calls us to do we can be obedient even to the point of surrender even to the point of death i believe selfless love is is the most difficult call of of the christian that giving of yourself goes against that sinful nature it goes against what maybe that the fallen fallenness that's in us. And I believe whenever there's a conflict between two people, whenever there's a conflict between the within the church, there's somewhere on one or both sides there is some lack of love. There's some lack of of that selflessness involved. But if God is in control, if God is looking out for each of us, we do not have to work to, and plot to build ourselves up. God lifts us up. We don't have to, to be right. And, um, and we, can, we can come to the point and admit that we are wrong because God is our defender. We don't have to be first. We don't have to, to, to always be the best. We can defer to others and let others be honored ahead of us. God will take those who are least and make them the greatest. We don't have to steal. We don't have to cheat. We don't have to lie to gain things for ourselves. God will give us everything we need when we need it. Hope brings that deep security in who we are and a confidence of where we are going. Consequently, you can spend your efforts, your energy following after Christ. We don't need to worry about anything else but simply live for Christ. Jesus, when he was giving the Sermon on the Mount, was dealing with this anxiety that people face, this, this insecurity. He said, why do you worry about clothes? Why do you See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into, into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is saying here that our job as the church is to go about the work of the kingdom. To seek first his righteousness. That, that, that Lord, help me to be the, the man you want me to be. Help us to be the people you want us to be. 
and seek his kingdom. Help us to fulfill your mission on earth. Help us to to work together. That is what we are to do. God takes care of our needs. All these things will be provided. It's, It's not that difficult for God. And if he doesn't provide them, we don't need them. There's a lady in our church in North Carolina, sweetest lady, very godly. And she, would, she was very generous. I mean, she didn't have a lot, but she would give to the youth that needed to go to the camp or something that would come up in the church she had always given. And usually God would um, bless her with something. She always had what she needed. And she would often during testimony time stand up and just talk about how, how good God was to her. Just, just, oh, God's just so good to me. And, you know, she had nothing. She, she just... Everything she had, she just kept giving out. And she said, you know, it's like I keep giving away and God keeps putting back. You know, it said, I, I, it's like she, she'd dig in the garden. She says, it's like I had a little spade and I, I dig out of this dirt and I th- toss it away. And God, God keeps shoveling back into the hole. And he says, you know what? God has a bigger shovel than I do. And she's saying, I, we can't outgive God. We just keep doing what God's calling us to do. We just keep giving where God wants us to give. We keep being, being sacrificial with our life. And we find God, who is so much more able, providing the things that we cannot even do for ourselves. That is love. That's based on hope. That God was in control of our future. That if he's calling you to do something, no matter how radical it may seem, if it's truly God's calling, he will take care of you. It's based on the faith of who Jesus is. I believe that is that that purification of of love for for me, for us, is that sanctification process, that, that process of becoming like Christ. For us collectively. That is renewal in the church. That we as a church would say, well, it's not about building our institution. It's it's about giving this generous spirit. It's not about what we want. It's about how can we bring more and more people to know Jesus. That's God's passion. That's God's heart. My call for you, the church, this, this morning is to love Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor. Love the people of Allegheny County with all you have. Love the people around the world with all you have. God will take care of you. Let's pray. Father, may we have that certain hope. May the people of this church have that hope that enables them to love. Give us that confidence in who you are. Give us that confidence in, not based on circumstances, but based on your, your character, your qualities. That everything that we do can be out of that security, that peace, of knowing that we are in the hands of Almighty God who loves us We'll do whatever we need when we need it. Use us, Lord, to build your kingdom. Use us to bring about renewal in this area. Use us to bring more and more people into that beautiful relationship with you. 
that they too may have that hope. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore.